Hello there, Dr. Alan Hedberg with you, and this is the Psychology Report. Uh, today I have a, a topic of special interest to parents as well as teachers. We have a problem in our schools and in our communities that uh, needs to be addressed. But it can't be addressed by parents by themselves, and it can't be addressed by teachers by themselves. This is a problem that requires the coordinated effort of home and school. And together, they need to stand up for the students. And what is the issue? Bully behavior on the classroom, in the play and playground, in the neighborhood, in the community. Bully behavior. Girls bully girls, boys bully boys, boys bully girls. And it's a behavior problem that has not gone away over the last five to ten years. In fact, it's increased. We see more bullying behavior lately than we did just five years ago. And we see this now with the refugee population coming into our cities and into our countries uh, because of the differences in race and religious backgrounds and appearance and dress and all those things. There are more targets for bully behavior than has ever been in the past. Now, kids who bully generally are kids who have been bullied. They are kids who at home were bullied by their father, their mother, or big brother, or uncle, or grandfather, or whomever. But kids who bully tend to come from a history of having been bullied, and then they take that to the classroom, they take that to the playground, they take that to the community. They take that outside into the neighborhood, and they begin to bully those that appear weak and appear to be different than themselves, because it's the expression of anger and the expression of fear and the expression of, uh, uh, of evil thoughts, so to speak, that is expressed towards somebody else who is then the target or the object of the bully behavior. So we need to make sure that we have bully behavior under control and we don't let it uh, flourish when it should not. Now, let me discuss that here for a moment. But before so doing, let me just bring to your attention, today's program is being sponsored by SAT7, S-A-T-7 Kids. SAT7 Kids. It's a television programming ministry in the Middle East, in North Africa. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it at the end of the program. Now, bully behavior. Teachers have been encouraged to be forthright and to be direct and to be educated and to be aware of bully behavior in the classroom and on their playground and anywhere they are in the school property. In fact, the National Education Association has come out with a pledge that they would like six teachers in every school to sign, at least six teachers in every school to sign. And then if they do that, they will provide the material to help them combat bully behavior in the classroom and on the school property. The pledge goes like this. I will stand up and I will speak up for my students so that they will all have a safe and affirming learning environment. I will take action with the NA, NEA, with the NEA, so that every student feels welcome 
and safe at school. NEA is National Education Association. And we'll take action with the National Education Association so that every student feels welcome and safe at school. See, a school should not be a sanctuary city, but a school should be a safe environment, a safe place, a safe community, safe property, if you will, which means that every student is going to be protected. And every student that's at risk will be provided additional protection. Any student that's attacked will be offered help and assistance. And teachers are on the forefront. But in the same way that teachers need to sign a pledge like that or take a pledge like that, so do parents. Parents need to be involved in the school programming, not at the academic level only, but also at the social level that takes place informally, before school, after school, during recess and lunch hours and things like that. Students can get in trouble at those particular times. That's when they can act out. And parents would be wise to volunteer some of their time during those particular hours, if they could, to assist teachers and assist the school in monitoring so that bully behavior does not occur in your school and on your playground and in your community. Now, what do you think can be done about bully behavior? How can this be addressed at the school? How can it be addressed in the home? How can it be addressed in the neighborhood? Well, what works in one place will often work in the other. So some of these ideas will uh, prevail in all these different situations. First of all, a teacher must be present and available. You know, if you're in your room doing your work and you're in the lunchroom eating your lunch, you're not available. So teachers need to be available and they need to be present where children are at times where they could be in trouble. They could cause trouble or they could act out in a bully manner towards somebody else. It's at that time of transition, like lunch hour or recess hour or before school and after school. And that's when parents could be on guard. That's when parents could be available, be present and available, to provide a, a body of protection for all students. So you've got to be present, you've got to be available. But then number two is you have to be ready to intervene. Bully behavior happens in a snap. Bully behavior happens in a real quick manner. And it's often not foreseen. But when it happens, you need to take action. Targeted students, that is those that are bullied, must hear the message that caring adults want to protect them and will protect them if they know about it. So obviously, we want kids to speak up. We want kids to say that they are an object of being bullied or that they're afraid of being bullied or they've been threatened or they've been talk to in a certain way that makes them feel uncomfortable and fearful. And that's a form of, of bully behavior. Bully behavior is not just physical. Bully behavior can be in the form of a glance. Bully behavior can be in the form of a comment. Bully behavior can be in the form of a sign that's put up or some kind of a uh, signia, like a swastika is put up in the bathroom of some children's uh, bathrooms. Or maybe a message on the wall, like, get out of this country or leave, you know, whatever it might be. That's all bully behavior. And we need to address all that. Parents need to be aware of it. Teachers need to be aware of it. But they need to be ready to intervene and to separate the students from the one that's being bullied from the one who is bullying. And then a message has to be very clearly sent. Bully behavior is wrong. It's unacceptable. It will not occur. And it has to stop and it has to stop now.
And the school has to give that message very clearly. And the parents involved have to give that message very clearly. You have to support the targeted student, the student that is bullied. You have to support that person. You always support the victim whenever there's a conflict or whenever there's some kind of a mean behavior taking place. You always support the victim child first. You make sure that the victim child is taken care of and is safe and is comfortable and whatever wounds have occurred are being attended. Then you address the student that has bullied, the one that has acted out. Then you let that person know that this behavior will never occur again. And you have to say it in very firm and very definite words, you see, and then take action. Now, that's not the time to engage in some kind of a forgiveness activity. It's common for teachers and parents, you know, after they break up a, a fight or after they break up a bully interaction, they want to then have one child apologize to another child. Well, that means you may not know the entire story, so that may be premature. But also in the heat of battle or in the heat of a conflict, there's no time to go through a, an apology. Apology has to be talked through, thought through. It has to be done in a timely manner. So it may not be done until the end of the day or the next day. But it has to be done relatively soon. But it has to be done after there has been a cooling off and there's been some talk time, there's been some thought time, and there's been some reflection time. And the message has to be very clearly delivered that this is not going to occur again. Then you can engage in kind of a forgiveness, you know, kind of activity between the children that were involved in that bully interaction, you see. And then obviously in a school setting, you have to document, you know, who was involved and what happened and what the promises were and what the action was and what the conclusion was and what the students were told. And if the students were told that the next time it occurs, that student is out of the school, then that has to happen. You can't renege on whatever promises you've made. So you've got to record that so that that promise can be followed up by somebody else later on. But most of all, a teacher and a parent has to be a caring advocate. You have to talk to students about this in a caring way. Let them know that that is not the way we treat people. That is not the way we treat people who are different than ourselves. That's not the way that you handle anger. Just because somebody has bullied you, you don't turn and bully somebody else. That's not how to handle anger. That's not anger management, you say. That's, that's anger perpetuation. So if you have a situation where it's out of anger, then maybe the parents need to be brought in. And maybe that kid and the parents that, were, that bullied needs to be referred to as a local psychologist for therapy. Maybe family therapy, because it may be more than just that one incident that's going on. So schools need to be much more proactive in referring to local therapists to make sure that these kind of matters are addressed and they're stopped and they're handled properly. But you know the kid who was bullied? He also needs to be referred for counseling. He needs also, or she needs also to be referred to a situation where she can be supported, he can be supported and encouraged and given perspective and help them understand that they didn't cause this. They don't deserve it. But they were the object of it, nonetheless. And they need to handle it. And how can they handle it? And how can they handle it the next time? Better than they handle it this time. So, bully behavior can be handled. 
Bully behavior can be dealt with, but it isn't until our schools wake up and admit that their playground and that their classroom and their hallways are a chief place, or one of the chief places where bully behavior takes place. And teachers have to step up to the plate and say, I will deal with this. I will be available. I will be on guard. I will be prepared. I will be available and I'll be present and I'll take, I'll take action. And then a call out to the parents to get the parents involved so that the school and the home and the parents are working together to correct this behavior. And if your school has a lot of this going on, you not only have a major problem on your hands, but you have something to address and do it in a careful and a constructive way. And do it now, not later. You know, the kids, kids, kids who are bullied, you know, have many psychological problems thereafter. Depression, anxiety, academic failure, uh, not wanting to go to school, refusal to go to school, absenteeism. I mean, there's a lot of kind of behaviors that occur to a child that is bullied. But the kid who has been bullied at home and then bullies in the classroom is also a kid that carries with him a great deal of anger and a great deal of internal angst and an internal uh, feeling of despair and hurt. And what do they do? They take it on on somebody else. That's not the way to do it. So this has been the Psychology Report. And as indicated, today we are focusing on SAT-7, Kids Alive, SAT-7. There are over 125 million Arabic-speaking youth under the age of 16 in the Middle East and North Africa. Did you know that? 125 million Arabic-speaking youth younger than 16 in the Middle East and North Africa. That's a major population. Now, most of them, through their families, have access to satellite television. So SAT-7, an organization out of Cyprus, has created a network of television programming, one of which is for children. And they beam that in to that area of the world, the Middle East and North Africa, so that the Arabic satellite television will get to these young viewers and their family. Now, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about this, and see how it's reaching into this population and this part of the world and giving some hope to these kids. Here's a website that you may want to go to. www.sat7, that's S-A-T-7, the, the number 7, USA. That's www.sat7usa.org and then go slash kids. And that SAT-7 Kids, that's the television programming designed for these children, 125 million of them in the Middle East and North Africa. Learn about it. Go to that website, and uh, you'll be glad you did. You'll be educated, but you'll be very supported. You'll be surprised to see how much uh, attention and what good an organization like this is doing. You may want to be of help to them. You may want to send them a few bucks. It was www.sat7usa.org slash kids. So, thanks for joining me today, and this has been the Psychology Report. Bye for now.